Good afternoon and welcome to Lunchtime Shares and uh, 2022 where we are adding value to people's lives happening every week on ebizradio.com. Excited to be back in the new year and ki- kicking it off with a new uh, great conversations. Um, today we have a life lover, a cultural advisor, keynote speaker and writer. And uh, he's going to be speaking to us about a, a bit of organizational culture and the role that managers and leaders play in shaping the culture in that organization. Please welcome Jerome Paris-Brasson. Uh, am I saying a crick? Paris-Brasson? Yeah. Hi, Kevin. That's perfect. Just the right <laughs> way. Fantastic. Jerome, thank you for joining us. And uh, you're all the way from Amsterdam. Yes, I am actually French-Australian. You might hear that from the accent. But I am based in the beautiful city of Amsterdam in the Netherlands. Ah, yes, fantastic. Uh, One of my favorite cities, and I can't wait to get back. (laughs) So, Jerome, tell us more about you. I mean, to kick it off, um, tell us who you are, tell us what you do, um, and tell us what we're going to be speaking about today. I am um, an executive director with a global consultancy called Walking the Talk, and we focus on culture at Walking the Talk. Uh, as I said, I'm, I'm from France originally, spent half my life in Australia and in Asia, worked in the Americas and now working very strongly in, in Europe. Um, I have a passion for culture. I do have a passion for it. I've been working on it for many, many years. And what I'd like to talk about today is, well, what is it uh, really when we talk about culture? What, how do you create it? And how as leaders and managers, what can you actually do? to really influence the culture of the organization that you're in. Fantastic. And yeah, I mean, I just love uh, walking the talk. You know, it's, it, it's significant. It's like, say what you, what you mean and mean what you say, right? It's, uh, and very often we find in business that, you know, they, you have a set of rules and a set of values that, that people don't often uh, stick to and, and stay by. So I'm really excited to be, to be chatting about it specifically. Well, Um, It's interesting that you're saying that because working on culture is actually bridging the gap between the walk and the talk. The talk is what we aspire to, right? It's the values we want to see in the organization is what we say we want. But the talk is what we do. And actually the work that we do at at Walking the Talk is actually bridging the gap uh, so that we align what we're saying with what we're doing or, or rather what we're doing with what we're saying or what we want. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, just just backtracking on the on the word culture. Um, practically, wh- what are we talking about when we say culture? You know, very often people, especially in South Africa, for example, culture means very significant, uh, significantly con- uh, connected to race, um, and that's not necessarily the only thing that that, that a culture is about. Yes, we 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 usually know what is culture when we're talking about national cultures. But we, when it comes to corporate culture, or we also call it organizational culture, um, people, people are not too sure. And many business leaders see it as warm and fuzzy. And actually, one of the reasons why many organizations don't work on their culture is because they're not sure what it is we mean. And because we don't know what it is, we don't work on it. Um, it it's many things, right? If, if we ask people who are listening today what they think is corporate culture, they might use words like uh, it's the values, is what we believe in, is the routines, what we do every day, what we think. And it's all those things. I like to say it's the way we do things around here. But there's a definition I'd like to give you today because, in essence, it contains everything you need to know and everything you need to do to work on culture. So here it is. Culture is the patterns of behavior that are encouraged, 
discouraged or tolerated by the people and the systems over time. And, and you see uh, this definition that I use uh, centers on behaviors because at the end of the day, it's what people do. And simply in an organization as a leader or as a manager, you simply need to encourage the behaviors you want to see or discourage those you don't want to see. And that's how you're going to start shaping culture. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's such an uh, important factor because I think, you know, very often we, we get to a, we, we understand that, yeah, you know, we want to reach this types of behavior and we want to, but with that said, we also must understand which, which types of behavior we need to discourage, right? And, and things that we don't want necessarily to happen and focus on what it is we want to happen. Um, so that's such an important point. So why is it important for organizations to work on their culture? Um, you know, I mean, what's the big deal? Like, I think, I mean, there's two points that come to my mind, right? The first thing is, which is a bit the negative, the reason why you absolutely need to work on it. And you were talking about the behaviors we want to discourage, but there's also the behaviors we tolerate. And for those of you that have children, right, you will know what I mean with that. As soon as you tolerate a behavior, you make it acceptable. And, yeah. and the big message for us in organizations is that the behaviors we tolerate become the norm. They become part of our culture. And when it's not a behavior you want to see in the organization, they're in trouble sometimes. So I don't know, I'll give you an example. Think of um, Wells Fargo, for example, the big bank in the United States that was in trouble recently because of some integrity issues around cross-selling. Well, I, I don't know them well, so I don't know what's happened, but I suspect that maybe there was a pattern of behavior that was tolerated or ignored because it was bringing the right results to the organization. And yeah. if an organization doesn't work on its culture intentionally, those things can happen. There's been a lot of scandals and a lot of trouble for organization, and that comes very often from patterns of behavior that were ignored. And that's what I call the negative reason why you want to manage your culture to make sure that those things don't happen. But the flip side of it is that by working on your culture, you can actually support your strategy and achieve the results that you want to achieve. So let's say that, for example, um, you've got a strategy where you need to be very close to your customer and, and whatever you're gonna be doing is driven by, by the need to really uh, meet the customer needs. If you have an organization that is very siloed and internally focused, it's gonna be really hard. So by working on your culture, you can make sure that people listen to your customers, have empathy, and then that will drive the results you're after. Yeah, and I think when you speak about silos as well, I, I, I think, you know, sometimes people, when they're in the silo, they, they kind of think, well, you know, this is, my, this is where I'm comfortable. These are my people. Mm. Um, they don't even think they're doing anything wrong. Right. So when you when you have to sort of challenge that the idea of, well, you need to be able to start stepping out of a silo because part of this culture, part of what we're aiming to create a culture, yeah, is not being in silos. I think that's, you know, we're also going to start feeling resistance where people are going to be quite resistant around that. Yeah. And you know where the I, I see a lot of silos coming from as managers in organizations, we've learned that to achieve results. We need to control. It's a bit of a pattern, right? A pattern of thinking and behaving. Uh, I have to achieve my results. So what do I do? I need to control the people. I need to control those results. And, and that encourages the silo type of thinking because it's much easier to control things if you're in a silo than if it's completely open. But the world is changing, Kevin. 
And what I see every day in organizations is that you need to break down those silos. And with things like artificial intelligence and the way we work today, you cannot work in silos anymore. And you have to release control a little bit as a leader, as a manager. But that makes you vulnerable. And as human beings, it's really hard to be vulnerable. So that's some of the patterns I'm seeing at the moment. Yeah, and I'm just thinking as as you're speaking to this is because... Uh, you know, as a leader, when you want to control and you want to, it's your type of leadership style, you, you need to know what's happening. Um, I think that also then steps into a space of uh, your culture is supported when you have good leadership, which means there might also be a leadership problem. So if leaders are not really supported in how they're leading, you know, that's going to influence uh, the culture specifically. Yes. And um, I mean, you know, um, Kevin, at the end of the day, culture is led from the top. So we're all part of culture. We all contribute to culture, but it's clearly led from the top. So the top sets the tone. Uh, If the leaders of an organization are not clear on the culture they want, if they're not role model, if they don't role model basically what they want to see in the rest of the organization, it's going to be very, very hard. So uh, before I, I mean, I'm jumping Ganya and I get all excited when we have conversations. So, um, how, how do we then change the culture of organization? Because this is, you know, changing an organization's culture, depending on the size, obviously, as well, is can be a, a bit of a change process. The, the, there's a bit of a, there's a lot that goes into it. Yes. So um, it's, it, you've got to go back to how culture is created in the first place. And culture, just imagine somebody's joining an organization, right? Uh, somebody's new. How will they know uh, how to behave? How will they know what the culture of the organization is? And what happens is that they get messages from everywhere about what is really important here. And they behave according to those messages. And those messages they receive about what's important in the the company, in the business, uh, those messages come from three channels. The behaviors of the people around you, that's the first channel. So the first thing you do, right, is copy the behaviors of the people around you. It's human nature. We all do it, right? Uh, let's imagine um, I, I say hello in the morning and nobody else says hello. Well, I think after a while I'll probably stop saying hello because there's no point. So we copy all the behaviors and we copy, of course, the behaviors of the leaders. That's the first source of messages. The second one is all the processes, the systems, everything that pushes us to behave in a certain way. Just think about um, if you've got a KPI system that is completely individual, you are rewarding for your individual results. That's not going to drive the collaboration you were talking about before. That is probably going to reinforce the silo mentality. So that's the second source of messages. And the third source of messages is something that I absolutely adore. I love working on those. It's the symbols. And symbols can be anything from um, who's get the best office, the office with a view, right? Uh, but the titles in the organization, how we address each other. And, and very often it's a resource that we don't have a lot of. And the way we share it says a lot about what's important. And, and Kevin, the two things in life that uh, we don't have a lot of as individuals or organizations is time and money. So what we spend our time on and what we spend our money on signifies what's important. So Kevin, if I ask you to share with us now uh, your calendar, your diary, and your credit card statements, we would probably know what, what's important to you, right? Do you, is it health? Do you go to the gym every single morning? Is it 
Do you spend time with family? Do you spend a lot of money on gym memberships? Is it healthier, your value? Or is it emails first thing in the morning? So those symbols are very important and it's another source of message on how to behave. That's how culture gets created. So if I go back to your question about how do we change culture, it's simply about aligning the messages and changing the behaviors of the people, uh, aligning the systems and the processes and the symbols with what is important. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so, you know, as you're speaking, I'm just thinking of, you know, some of the clients that I currently work with as well. And, you know, it's um, part of this conversation is so important. Um, I'm thinking of, you know, just the intake and, and the, you know, new in starting at a new job and you, you arrive and um, what is that recruitment process? Like, it does, does it even start there where, recruitment repose, uh, the, the actual process helps you set the stage for this culture um, and a lot of companies don't have that you know they 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 the onboarding process is just like okay well this is where you sit this is there read through this document go over there and here's a few videos um, that I know of you know that that's 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 quite troublesome and um, yet an onboarding process can be a very big significant starter uh, for for setting the stage of that culture Completely. So, I mean, there's two things you're talking about here, which is really, really interesting. The first one is onboarding. Uh, it's, it's you know, your first contact with the organization or maybe the second one because uh, recruitment is actually the first one. But onboarding, yeah, it's an opportunity for organizations to let people know about what's important. The thing is, um, if you don't want to create cynicism, you have to make sure yeah, you're really walking your talk later on. You can't tell people we value collaboration and in reality we work in silos, right? So that's yeah. something to, to keep in mind. The other thing that comes to my mind when you're saying that is recruitment. Um, do we, it's the culture fit element. So do organizations recruit for culture fit or not? Recruiting the people you want is also a way of influencing the culture of your organization. But what I want to tell leaders and, and managers here is what you need to think about is whether you're recruiting for current culture fit so people that will fit your culture and that will be fine so they will integrate really well or are you recruiting for target culture fit for example you don't want silos you want collaboration are you recruiting people that will foster collaboration because this is their mindset and that's a very important thing to consider when we uh, recruit people and I think to this point is, you know, a lot of the times you find, you know, from a coaching perspective, from a leadership perspective, we go through a lot of assessments, right? And there's a mm -hmm. lot of assessing that we want to do that we we want to get information out of people to understand who these people are and what's this process. And um, and I think a lot of the times what we, what, what we get caught up is, um, sorry, I'm just got, I'm beeping here on my phone here and it's making a noise. Um, but... A lot of the time what happens is uh, all of these assessments gets pulled into a corporate um, and the, the, the credibility of what, these, uh, what that actually offers you know, a company in terms of their culture isn't used properly because you know, it doesn't flow through all of the recruitment, the onboarding, um, how you are introduced to your manager, what the teams are like and you know, setting that stage. And I think inevitably and until you've got that culture that that solid sort of inevitable foundation of culture solidified 
um, you, you really will have a company that's up and down and people leaving and people coming and people, uh, you know, silos and you'll have all of this. And that's why, you know, people like you are so important. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it's uh, how do you know uh, what, how a person is going to behave and what, what their mindsets are really, which because our mindsets drive how we behave. So if you're recruiting someone, you're right. You've got a lot of data around the person. So who do you choose? I like when I recruit for people that are going to work with me, I like to to actually do an interview, have an interview with them, right? Because I find that um, you can't completely trust what people tell you, of course, because what they tell you is the, is the talk, is the aspiration. It's sometimes even the way they think they are. But what you really want to find out is how they really behave and what their mindset is. So... It's by asking specific questions, it's by watching them, by observing them. And it's not good and bad, by the way. I'm not saying it's good and bad. Is, is it going to be a fit or is it not going to be a fit? So, for example, what are your top three values, Kevin, right? If the person is able to articulate those values, those personal values, or what happens when you do this and that. But the way, it's funny. You, you get a lot from how people behave. Let me give you um, a story of mine, right? <laughs> I went to meet with the, um, the top person, the leader of, a, it was actually a university a little while ago. And um, I know that they want to re really be focused on their customers and their customers are the students. So this university wants to be completely um, outside focused as opposed to inside focused at the moment. And I went to meet him it was a man and and we met it was a great meeting but i was not offered a coffee or even a glass of water and for me when that happens i'm usually like this is a symbol right this is a symbol and a sign that tells me that this person who is actually a leader of the organization does not have massive empathy doesn't have a very outside outdoor uh, outside focused mindset and usually it's a sign that many people in the organization may have the same mindset. So little things like that tell you a lot about the culture of an organization. You don't need much sometimes. I'm so glad that, that, that you pointed out to that simplicity, really, because I think that's what it is. You know, it's critical uh, micro behaviors that, that really set the tone for what's happening at a bigger scale. Right. And, um, and just a simple coffee. Um, is there anything you would like? Is there anything I can get you while you wait? Just a simple kind of, uh, people would just refer that to as manners. But, uh, you know, if, if it doesn't happen at that level, you kind of go, well, does, if it doesn't even just happen there, it probably doesn't happen everywhere. And, and you know what, that external, it's the external focus, right? To go even further, because it's right, the, the glass of water may just be manners. But if before you go there, they've sent you an email to say, if you want to park, will you need to park? Uh, no, yes, no. If you need to park, you can park here. All of this, I can tell you, if I'm being sent this kind of message early on, I know that this organization will be at least in some way externally focused, which is neither bad nor bad, neither good nor bad. But if strategically that's what they want to do, that's a great thing. If, if, if they don't do that, and I see there's a very, very strong internal focus, then I know they've got work to do. So, so you're, those 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 symbols you're speaking about those that those can be indicators of culture. Complete. Those are then indicators of what is the culture in this environment. Yeah, I, li I love that. 
But um, uh, one of the one of the th uh, questions that we have is: Does everyone need to change? Like, you know, if if like if some, at least if half people change, then at half the cultures that like people will kind of sort of get on board, right? Or yeah. is, is that not the approach? <laughs> and that's why I think very often we tend to think everybody has to change, and that's why sometimes we think it's too hard, right? Too hard basket. Let's not work on culture. How am I going to change the behavior of 100,000 people or even 10,000 people or 5,000 people? Well, um, yes, up to a point. At the end of the day, if you want to shift the culture of an organization, the, the change, the culture change will be the sum of all the individual changes. Now, that's the end result. But to get there, no, you don't have to, to have everybody changing straight away. The first thing is that you need your leaders to change, enough leaders to change and role model the behaviors they want to see in the rest of the organization. If your leaders and your managers don't do that, it's going to be very hard. But then there's something that happens uh, that is called, um, you may have heard about it, is the tipping point, Kevin. The tipping point is really, it's the point at which it's more uncomfortable joining the movement than uh, not joining it. So it's it's the point at which it becomes a snowball effect. It's the percentage of people that have changed their behavior and that percentage is enough for the whole organization to then shift. Do you know what that percentage is? Boy, any, any, any idea? I don't. I don't know. I, I've, I've heard that it is about 67%, but I'm just speaking off the top of my head now. So it's much lower than that. So it's a, it's a good story and a bad story. The good story is that it's only, I mean, the latest research shows that it's about 25%. So oh, only wow. 25%, only a quarter of you people, uh, if they change, everybody will change. Now, of course, it's got, to be a, it's got to be a change that makes sense to people. So it can't be anything, right? So there has to be a narrative that goes with the change that says it's logical. We need to do that. We need to change this way. And then if you've got 25% of people that start, for example, let me give you an example, 25% of the people systematically and always ask for feedback. If that happens, let me tell you, everybody will end up asking for feedback. So it's beautiful. It's beautiful yeah. because it means that if you want to change the culture of your organization, just try to change a quarter of your people and that'll be enough. But a quarter of the people is still hard to change, right? <laughs> That's the other thing. Absolutely. But, but, but at that statistic, you know, I, I think... Uh, a lot of people have the idea that it is a far bigger uh, process and a far bigger effort that needs to go behind this. But if at least 25% of people are actively involved in this, and that also could mean that you, you just need 25% of the people that you, uh, as, as, the, as the leader of the change, wanting to connect with them and influence them as much as possible. And if they're adopting that, you're already impacting so many more individuals because then it's compound interest, kind of. Exactly. And, and yeah. if, if you're a leader or manager, what my, my first advice would be, well, look around you and identify those people that are already role modeling or those people that are open to change and work with those people. Don't focus on those people that don't want to change because it's going to be too hard. You're going to get tired of doing that. Identify yeah. those people that can support you. Who are your real influencers in the organization? Yeah. I love that. That's fantastic. So another question is why, I mean, we've, we've touched on it already, but why is it so important for leaders to be role models in the organization? Um, you know, I, I, yeah, I work uh, in an environment with many environments also where if, if you don't have that leader, you don't have the sponsor of, of a change process, you don't have the one uh, standing at the top 
saying that this is what we're doing, this is what we're committing to, and showcasing that and and being the voice. Um, it, it really just falls flat every time, right? But, you know, from your perspective, like, why? Why do we need this? Why do they have to? Well, because if they, uh, they don't have to be sponsors necessarily, but you have to make sure that they don't do anything against what you're trying to do. So because what, what happens is you ask people to change. At the end of the day, when you want to change your culture, you're asking people to change your behavior. You're asking sometimes people to change your mindset. And that is really hard. And people will might want to do that or might not want to do that. But the first thing they, they'll say if they're not ready to do that is, well, look, look at our leaders. They don't do that. Why do you want me to do that when they're not doing it? So that stops the conversation straight away. So you have, there's no question about it. You have to have your leaders and your senior managers really role modeling, not necessarily all the culture, but just those elements you're trying to shift. It's very, very yeah. important because it only takes once. What, I mean, I've got an example of, you know, an organization I work with that we were trying to do something and then the CEO comes up and in front of 250 people at a conference says something that is completely the opposite of what we're trying to do. Just this time, that was enough for to stop the process. <laughs> yeah. It's terrible, Kevin. I mean, that's all it takes. But then again, I'm saying to managers and leaders, right, if you do something and it's not quite right, be a little bit vulnerable, be open and then say it openly. I got it wrong. That's not what I should have done. When I shut that person down, instead of letting them speak, I was not right. I should have let them speak because then they may have had innovative ideas and that's what we want. We want people to speak up. If you do that, you're able to undo a little bit the damage you've done, but that requires some guts as well, I have to say. Yeah, absolutely. And it's such an interesting conversation because you know, I, 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 the, the, the programs that I've been involved in in the last six months really um, have all touched on, on like little processes of change and uh, things that need to happen. Um, and it does. It takes one person to stick a spoke in the wheel um, and then everything comes to a grinding halt. You kind of, and everyone wants to reevaluate and assess and like, is this is what we need? Um, but yet, if, if we just had uh, a bit of, you know, um, uh, ongoing motion in a process like this, uh, so much change would have happened so much quicker. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it's such a valuable point. So uh, when it comes to leaders, what can leaders do to shape the behavior of others? I mean, the first this thing, is, right, you've just said it, is role model. So that's, that's the easiest thing. Now, yeah. role model, uh, we were talking about systems and processes. Um, they have control and they have influence over a certain number of systems. Even a manager in their teams, they have control over, over the way we do things in our team. So influence that so that your systems, the way you do things uh, is aligned with what you're trying to, to do from a, a culture point of view. But there's two things I want to say about to leaders. The first one is to use your personal symbols, time and money. Uh, how you spend time as a leader sends a very strong message, right? So uh, do you spend a lot of time with customers or do you only spend your time internally? Uh, what do you spend your time on? Do you spend your time listening to your people or not? Uh, what do the leaders always talk about? Consistency of the messaging. Do we always talk about customers every single time or innovation every single time? Very important, those symbols, personal symbols. How you spend yeah. your budget, right? What are you spending your budgets on? And... The last thing I want to talk about here with leaders, uh, Kevin, is 
the concept of amplification. The messages that uh, you're sending can be amplified as a leader or as a manager. Uh, if you believe collaboration is important, you have to amplify the messages around collaboration. And to do this, there's a few things you can do. Uh, I was just saying repeat, repeat, repeat. So the consistency is important. Uh, the language that you're using is important. Let's say you want to learn from mistakes. If you're always talking in the organization or in your team about failure, oh, people are not going to want to learn, right? They're going to have a fear of failure. So if you use language around learnings, around a post-mortem, that will change things. And the last way to amplify or third way of amplifying is to do what I call join the dots. Explain to people around you why you're doing certain things. So here, we're stopping for an hour. We're going to work on that because we want to learn from what we have done and the mistake we've done so that we don't do it again and so on. Don't keep it in your head. Kevin, I see a lot of managers and leaders telling me, well, but people don't get it. And, and, and I ask them, right? I, I, I say, well, how do you do it? And everything happens in their heads. And I said to them, well, people don't know what's happening in your head. You need to voice it and voice it in particular when there's a lot of people that are listening because then you're going to amplify your message. Very important, the amplification. I'm just I, just to add what you're saying. You know, I, you know these these the little things that people can do, the little things that leaders can do, and you know, very often people also place that onus only on other people. You know, so once the leader starts doing it, then I'll start doing it. You know, okay. and that's not leadership. Leadership is a, a skill that anyone you know can learn. You know, so um, encouraging you know anyone to want to take it up and start as the leader to start taking those. That micro steps to changing behavior can really influence everything. I mean, I, 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 you know, as you were talking, I was just thinking, you know, how people spend their time on, um, on meetings, you know, where we set up meetings and we go, okay, cool. We want a productivity, we want that productivity to skyrocket, but then end up speaking on one meeting. We spend two hours that was scheduled for only 35 minutes or 45 minutes. And you're kind of going, okay, so where's the productivity then? Like how, how productive have you been in this meeting? Or is, do we just like talking because we talk for the sake of talking? You know, you have to start questioning, you know, all the littlest things um, and looking at the signs and symbols. I love this. I'm going to, I'm totally going to use the signs and tell everyone Jerome Perry said so. <laughs> I, I love the concept of micro action that you were talking about. It's, it's a lot of micro things you can do to actually shift things. And I'm going to give you another tool that you can use. You were talking about um, meetings. Meetings is a quick win if you want to send different messages. Or what is in the agenda? What do we always cover? What do we never cover because we don't have time? What do we always start with? What do we always end up with? You can completely change the way you do meetings, and that will send a very, very strong message. It's a quick win. And it's a, it's a big lever for changing culture. And God knows we spend enough time in meetings these days, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so imagine if we just had really effective meetings, knowing what we're talking about. I mean, even this conversation, right? I, and I've set it up that way. So let's structure it so that we, we know what we're talking about. We get to a point and we finish on time. It's, <laughs> it's so important. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Well, that's all the, the difference between the walk and the talk, right? The talk is the agenda of the meeting and the walk is what really, really happened in that, in that meeting. Exactly. Um, 
Jerome, it's been such a pleasure talking to you. Um, if if you could share just some advice uh, for old and new leaders um, about the importance of culture, where it starts, and why why we need to have this conversation, and you know the, the impact that it has at the end of the day, um, what would that be? What, what what could you leave us with today? I think I've got three things that I, I'd like to to share. The first one is um, it's important to be clear on your personal values. And, you know, we all have a hierarchy of values and organizations have a hierarchy of values. So how does your own hierarchy of values fit with the organization? So think about it and think about the battles you, you want to fight and those battles that you don't want to fight. So because it's really difficult to be a culture misfit. So before joining an organization, I would encourage everybody to actually check the culture of the organization they want to join to make sure that it's going to be a fit for their own hierarchy of values. And there's ways of doing that, right? Just look at what the organization is doing and try to find out. So that's the first thing I'd, I'd like to say. The second one is, um, as a human being, we can't change everything, right? There's so much we can change at any point in time. So it's the notion of focus. Focus, identify the two or three behaviors that are really important for you, for your team, for your organization, Focus on those, try to be a role model for those, but not on everything else. It's really hard. The focus is, is, is a great lever for change. And the third thing that comes to my mind is that, um, that message around amplification. Once you're clear on what you want to focus, amplify your messages. Think about where you're spending your time. And I'd, I'd like to, to leave today um, giving everybody a, a small task to do, which is why don't you look at your calendar for the week? And why don't you look at where you're spending your time and what are the messages that you're sending by where you're going to spend your time this week? And is there anything that you may want to realign? <laughs> Fantastic. Jim, I think that's a, and thank you for the task. It's, it's such a beautiful message. And I think uh, it's definitely going to make people think. Um, if we want to get hold of you, I know that uh, we can go to the website, walkthetalk.com, and uh, we, we can go and check out uh, um, Jerome Paris Brasson on, uh, under the team section. Um, where else could we find you, Jerome? Where, where do we go? I'm also on LinkedIn, so you can find me on LinkedIn very easily. There's also jeromeparis.com, which is my website. Uh, I'm very easy to find on all kinds of social media and uh, and walkingthetalk.com as well. Fantastic. And I'm be pleased to um, any questions, anything that people have on their minds. I love culture, as you can tell. So always happy to talk culture with anyone. Absolutely. Guys, thank you so much. That's uh, the lunchtime. So it's happening every other day on Ebers Radio. Go and check it out. It's, uh, you can just click on the links and uh, you can listen to us live. And uh, thank you for joining us, Jerome. That was a fantastic conversation and hopefully catch up with you soon. Thanks this so much. Bye-bye.